I grew up in South Africa. Um, my background is, would be essentially European, as most South Africans or white South Africans are. Um, a mixture of Welsh, Dutch, um, German. Um, and had a, a pretty normal childhood in a very abnormal society. Uh, because I grew up in apartheid. Um, and when you don't know what you don't know, it seemed really normal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the BFA Life podcast. My name is Nathan. I'm here with my co-host, Josh, and we're excited to have Gavin Bretney here today. He is the head of school and came on board this fall. We're going to be jumping into his life, his story, and his heart for where BFA can go in the future. was growing up. Totally segregated society, everything from where you sat on the bus to which door you went in at the post office to who was in your classroom, when you went to the beach, when you went to movies, the area you lived in, um, the radio station you listened to. So um, the apartheid government had been very successful at separate development along the lines of race, which is um, not a healthy way to try run a country. And so it never lasted. Um, in the 80s, I, I finished grade 12 in 1983. And um, I became very involved with Youth for Christ. And I was um, involved with... Um, Christian work in what was then the the black segregated areas or the colored segregated areas. We even had Chinese segregated areas in South Africa, but we were very non-racial. And so I had many friends and I was going in and out of different uh, areas of the country. Um, and the security police picked up on my movements and who I was meeting with. Because I was meeting with people who had just uh, come off Robben Island was a political prison place. So one of our presidents, Tabu Mbeki, his father, I got to know him fairly well. So I wasn't really a political activist. I was just being a Christian. Uh, but obviously um, my associations were political because I was mixing with other Christians across the color line. And so my phone was tapped at home. And um, at one time I was offered cash to pay for my studies while I was at university and this type of thing. So I became very, as a young man, I think I had the, the benefit, if it can be called that, of being highly sensitized to social injustice and highly sensitized to inequality. Um, and that social injustice and inequality is pretty much global. I lived in an intense microcosm of that around the world. Here at Black Forest Academy, we have between two and 300 students, and we recruit, we look for more students. If I fly next week to Central Africa Republic, I'll come across a fine school with 80 students per class, a waiting list of 1,000 students to get into the school, um, and that's who bothers to apply, because most people think they'll never get into the school. That's just a huge inequality of resource between Germany and Central Africa Republic. And I don't think God smiles on um, enormous wealth and um, gross poverty. And 
especially when it is caused by social injustice. So I think poverty will always be with us as part of our societal makeup. Uh, but the words of God says that I have not seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. And when institutional sin um, disenfranchises people from their inheritance in Christ, I think um, Christians should do something about it. Um, Gavin, you have two boys, and how does your your upbringing, especially your experience as a young man, define how you have intentionally raised them? Because they, they both have now spent majority of their high school years at BFA, and so they've been pulled out of, um, and, and South Africa has changed as well, but how, how has that changed what you have intentionally tried to instill in your boys based on your own upbringing? Both boys had the benefit of growing up in South Africa in their formative years. So when we drove to school, I was a headmaster or head of school in South Africa as well. Um, I was a high school teacher, then a high school principal, then a, a school director, K-12 school. Um, and when we drove to school, we would drive past very poor. So we would live in a middle class leafy suburb. And we would drive past uh, what are called informal settlements or squatter camps uh, where people live in shacks, corrugated iron and wooden shacks. Um, and we would drive past that every day. Um, and some of the children in our school came from such poor conditions. And so my children grew up also sensitized to that. Um, we, we moved from South Africa to Germany in January 2015. So my eldest son was in 10th grade. He had just finished 10th grade. Uh, and then because of our academic year goes January to December, he came here and started 10th grade again and did six months of it, January through to July. And the, the youngest has been here the longest. He finished uh, 7th grade in South Africa. Uh, but we go back to South Africa as when we were able to. Um, so I think that as a family, they grew up having open discussions about what they were seeing in the country. And they had uh, black African friends and white African friends. And so they were exposed to different dynamics. And I think if a family talks about these things... Um, and we did. I think that's those conversations have stayed part of their adolescence. The politics of South Africa, <clears throat> uh, what we're observing in the economy, what we're observing uh, in uh, the current uh, racial tensions that exist, um, that's continued to be part of our family talk. So I think we kind of stayed abreast in that. They have entered into a first world environment where their exposure now to um, that kind of injustice or that kind of poverty is is not as everyday as it used to be. They'll have other first world challenges now. Mm. Yeah, navigating those conversations, I think if you're a parent, is always, you know, uh, a really valuable thing as a family to do together. Um, so we've heard about how that's been among the family. How is that your your experiences growing up percolated into how you go about um, education and you said mentioned that you were a headmaster 
but then you've also been involved for quite a long time with uh, Association of Christian Schools International, um, and now with BFA. And what pieces of your upbringing do you kind of carry through um, through those pieces? So the the thread that you followed there was um, yeah my formal education was in South Africa, <clears throat> and my university education. I did a master's uh, in organizational leadership through an American university, um, but most of my undergrad was in South Africa. Um, and then, I, yeah, I was a headmaster, and while I was a headmaster, um, I became more and more aware of uh, the great... Um, opportunity in Africa for the growth of Christian education. It wasn't that I was <laughs> creating the opportunity. There's that saying, see what God is doing and get involved. And so there's been an explosion of uh, Christianity on the continent of Africa and along with that an explosion of Christian schools. Um, but because of the history of the continent, because the continent was um, colonized, uh, and then post-colonization went through uh, many political challenges with, with first-generation leaders. And as slowly as they come emerge more and more into uh, more just societies or the potential for more just societies, um, so education has been a number one issue. So um, I was an experienced Christian educator, school leader, understanding worldview integration, understanding leadership uh, issues for schools. And so I found myself being invited to different African contexts to share and do workshops with teachers and school leaders. Um, I could see that these one in and out opportunities were very good, but um, and I wanted to become involved in something more sustainable for the long term, more strategic. And I realized that the development of national associations of Christian schools led by nationals uh, for national schools uh, was the, a way forward. And that all the training I was involved in, um, the networks that were being developed could be housed and find some form of long term sustainability within uh, a national association led by nationals that was that was also going to be sustainable self-sustainable financially in time through membership fees conferences publications etc and so um that was just a natural combination between what i was doing and what the association of christian schools international does worldwide um is facilitate the development of national associations um, which is very complementary to other missions such as Teach Beyond that uh, is there to facilitate you know, the transformation of, um, of individuals involved in education, be they staff members or students. Uh, but ACSI provides a global standard, kind of a standards authority. And so um, national associations led by nationals Missionaries can come alongside and enable that process, but at the end of the day, um, it's nationals who should lead in their own circumstances. And so for me to come to your question as a South African, uh, I was highly sensitized to um, people leading themselves, people being empowered and equipped to lead themselves and do it effectively. 
And so where you have more advantaged cultures engaging in that process, uh, they should be there leading from behind, uh, not taking the lead, but rather uh, equipping others to lead. And so I was quite strong on that process. uh, And it was the interesting early days because um, a lot of people have um, a different worldview when it comes to missionary work. Um, and I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong, but there are different seasons for what God is doing around the world. And I drew quite a strong line on what I was prepared to become involved in and not. If it wasn't leading to national leadership that was self-sustainable, then I wasn't interested. Um, so because of my South African experience, having seeing whole swathes of people uh, being exploited uh, and disenfranchised and oppressed. Uh, so my work in the world, in the Christian world globally, has I bring that sensitivity to it, that cross-cultural sensitivity, I suppose. Yeah, It's great when a, when a program is um, developed and geared not to be a brain drain on a, on a culture where they take the top 20% of people who are maybe gifted and be able to go to university and they pull them out of the country and they train them somewhere else and then they never go back to where they are, but you can actually train them right where they are. They're equipped and the whole purpose is for them to stay rooted where they already have the roots. It's a it's a great yeah. process to do that and it's Ab- much more absolutely. sustainable. And the people that um, touch my heart the most are people who, Africans who leave their nation to go and do postgraduate studies elsewhere but have a heart then to return. Yeah, And I think coming to Black Forest Academy hasn't changed any of that in my life. Here, I've been able to continue uh, working globally to some extent, and I've been able to be involved in a school uh, that is interested in making a global impact by enabling all these uh, missions in 47 countries or whatever it is this year around the world um, BFA has a significant impact in that we are enabling families who are on the field in different parts of the world, and we are also enabling their children to become globally minded. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're we're benefiting the parent and we're benefiting the Mm -hmm. child, both in the same way, actually, for the advance of the kingdom. So this has been a really natural and good fit. Um, coming to Black Forest Academy. How do you how do you see BFA in addition to enabling parents to stay in the field and enabling the children to be raised in this kind of environment? How do you see BFA as a school in their day-to-day operations going beyond its walls and empowering either the local community or I'll say regional community or even overseas? I know we do SPTs, we do all these things and kids go back and are hopefully equipped to then go serve elsewhere to pursue careers that are uh, globally minded. But what are, what are your hopes and dreams for how BFA can reach beyond its walls above and beyond what we're already doing? So you're quite right. We are helping families. We're going beyond by offering a quality international Christian education um, at a cost that is reasonably affordable for families in the field. So we're having we enabling that process, um, and we're also raising students 
who in turn would go out into their world and influence their world uh, with biblical thought, character, and action. So that's at the core of what we do. I think that your question is saying, what do we do in addition to that? Uh, what are we doing with our staff, with our facilities, and that type of, that type of thing? Or what do you what do you hope to do to leverage for the next yeah. for the next decade? It's a real challenge to have the capacity to um, do what we do for the international missions community and their children, and then in addition to that, have find human capital um, and finance to still do more yeah. <laughs> currently. We already, do, we already do a lot. Yeah. We do a lot. We have you know, spring service project trips. Um, I'm uh, in, enabled by the board to go and still be involved globally in different contexts. I'll be in Burkina Faso in May. I'll be in Uganda in June, South Africa in November, and I also have in other parts of the world. But... Black Forest Academy, you've got to see it like the eye of an, uh, the eye of a fountain, like an artesian well. And if the eye muddies, in other words, if what we're doing here, we're not doing it well. Uh, in other words, we don't have a model of excellence. Um, then what right do we have to go and help others do their job? So we can flow out on the good waters uh, that are overflowing from this place. And to have that overflow um, requires uh, personnel, uh, requires finance, requires energy, requires time. And I think that um, one, one area that I'm particularly optimistic about, uh, besides school leadership behaviors, which is my own postgraduate research studies in how to be an effective Christian school leader, transformational leadership behaviors, that excites me, but um, I'm very excited about how Black Forest Academy will uh, implement its vision statement, which says, you know, glo producing globally minded students. Um, that really interests me because I don't think that's been thoroughly unpacked, measured. And there's a great excitement now, I think, as we've been talking about this more and more among the staff. What does it mean to be globally minded? Uh, and I think that's a, that's something that we could do really well to, because to be globally minded as a Christian is to be naturally transformational in the society that you go into or into the sphere of influence that God takes you into. To be globally minded means to uh, be cross-culturally intelligent, means to be sensitized to climate change and what's happening in the world and, and the consequences of what's happening in the world. Um, to be globally minded means to be sensitized to the um, in a gross inequality in the world and the injustices in the world. Um, and so to be globally minded means many things. And so I'm really interested to see as we develop a curriculum that develops globally minded staff and students, I'm interested to see where that goes. I think we need to be more resilient as a school. Uh, we're vulnerable to the global market in many ways, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, but I think uh, the resilience will come from three other R's, uh, recruitment, retention, and return on investment will, will result in increased resilience. So recruitment, I think we need to, be, uh, we need to strengthen our relationships with our uh, missions uh, from which we draw students uh, and teachers. 
Uh, I think we need to be more targeted in developing partnerships for staff recruitment with organizations. I think we need to be looking um, at student recruitment as well more um, strongly. We've never had someone do student recruitment, strangely enough. Uh, word of mouth and our own legacy has been good enough. But um, I think times are changing, so we need to look at that closely. So there's, that a lot, be there's a lot more options for, for families to pursue, which is yeah. which changes our, our market. And in some respects, that's a great thing where if a family can stay close together, yes. that's fantastic. Correct. But it changes who we who we get, for sure. So recruitment, students and staff, then uh, um, retention, uh, staff retention. We're putting a a new staff member in place who's going to look specifically at how to look after staff development and staff wellness and develop global mindedness in staff. Uh, And we're also looking at how we can serve our staff well in terms of uh, German compliance issues around work permits, etc. So those have been foci. And then it'd be recruitment, retention, uh, then return on investment. We've looking very carefully at our business model financially. We also just completed an accreditation visit with Council of International Schools, Middle Schools Association, and Association of Christian Schools International. We have one of the few schools in the world that are accredited by three international accrediting agencies. And we've just done a risk analysis uh, uh, with a really competent person who helped us with that and we're looking at a book called traction uh, to see how we can get traction on um, our big rocks on the things we want to achieve at the school so all of that has to do with return on investment so how are we operating and can we operate smarter and tighter as a school and better Um, so that comes on return on investment so that's recruitment, retention, return on investment. That should in- improve our resiliency in the market. Gavin, how did you stumble upon BFA when you first were looking to come here? How did how did the connection happen? So I was um, living in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Um, I'd been a school leader in that environment for 20 years. And I was in working more and more globally with ACSI uh, and had taken up a position with them as a director for strategic development of their work on the continent of Africa. That's the leading from behind role. And um, we knew as a family that we were called to live internationally and God had spoken quite deeply in my own heart that he was calling me to the world. Um, And I know that sounds messianic it's not intended to Uh, (laughs) it wasn't just africa it was there was a a a global role and i didn't know what that was um and then acsi said hey you know it takes you two days to get to wagadugu in burkina faso um because you've got to go on ethiopian airlines you've got to fly port elizabeth johannesburg johannesburg addis spend a night in addis and then fly west five hours across the continent to um Wagadugu. Um, and we'd like you to maybe uh, come to the States more often, do some work in the East. So how about locating in Germany, since you know that you want to move internationally, and we, we wanted to do that because that was God's call. Uh, and there's a school called Black Forest Academy, 
where your kids can go. And it just so happened that Black Forest Academy was looking for someone with my background to come and join their director's team and give 10% of my working time uh, to those meetings and whatever else was I needed to be involved in. Um, and that was in March 2014. And so we packed up our house and we flew out of Port Elizabeth on the 31st of December 2014 in the heat of summer and landed in Munich on the 1st of January in the middle of a snowstorm. Um, so that was a big change. We had to drive on the other side of the road because we drive on, I don't know if you call it the English the wrong, side. The wrong side of the road. <laughs> and uh, there was just everything was different. Um, and so then I continued my global involvement and joined BFA staff as um, director of partnerships and sat in on meetings and, and just began to observe the workings of the school uh, for about three years from 2015 through to about 20. 18 um, and observed it from a distance kind of I was really glad I wasn't running the school uh, because I run schools I know what it's like and it was very nice to come in sit in the meetings uh, provide some advice and input listen and leave yeah. um, and so when the post came up for head of school um, in fact somebody here said to me a couple of people said to me in fact are you going to apply and I said, definitely not. I had no interest. My Many are the plans in a man's heart, and my plans were um, different. And then a board member who we were friends with uh, sat in my lounge one day, and he, he simply said, don't wipe it off the table. And when he said that, the Holy Spirit um, immediately spoke into my heart. And, you know, my response was, this is not what I was looking for. I'm 54 years old now. And my life has moved into a space where I actually don't. Well, not that I don't have control, but let's I've come to the place of admitting that I'm not in control <laughs> and starting to feel comfortable with that. It takes a long time for a human to get there. Um, and so when God, this was God's call. This was not my decision, and it was nothing I aspired to or wanted to. It's a total position that's God and total position of service, and I don't know what's next. That's how it happened. We are grateful for that service. Yeah. Um, if I can just say I really appreciate how you've come in and the um, the sensitivities that you have that you've already uh, kind of allowed us to glean from you um, the global mindedness uh, the just the new energy that you bring we really appreciate it and I think I speak for a lot of us here at BFA um, when I say that but um, yeah is there anything that you would like to talk about just that's on that's on your heart that we haven't asked no I, I think you guys are doing a great job here um you know, we, we, BFA has a story and it needs to be told in a way that is uh, engaging, mm -hmm. meaningful to our global culture today. And um, 
what you do here through these podcasts and the other work that you do Instagram and Facebook and um, face cloth and those types of things um, is really great <laughs> thank you insta insta face yeah <laughs> Well, thank you for coming in today, Gavin. Yeah, um, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for taking the time and um, being open and vulnerable with us. And um, yeah, it's been such a joy talking with you. Yeah, thank you. You've just been listening to the voice of BFA's head of school, Gavin Bretney. And BFA's whole mission is to provide our students with a quality international Christian education that equips its students to influence their world through biblical thought, character, and action. And I think Gavin is an excellent, excellent person to lead us towards that goal. If you enjoyed today's podcast or if you want to get in touch with Gavin, you can always email us at communications at bfacademy.de and we can relay any comments or questions on to Mr. Brittany himself. Other ways to stay connected are to check out our social media outlets. We have an Instagram and a Facebook. You can always contact us there as well. The most important thing you can do right now is to pray. BFA is all about advancing God's kingdom and making his glory known in the nations. And so um, join us in praying for what goes on here in the lives of our students and also in the lives of their families working on the field. We're so glad that you are listening in and involved and we look forward to bringing you more content and we'll catch you in the next episode.